Learn how Alina Health is committed to providing you support on your path to better health in this edition of The Wellcast. Now here's your host, Melanie Cole. It seems that for some people, every time they get a cold, a sinus infection follows. Seasonal allergies also get the blame sometimes for causing sinus headaches and infections. Are some people just more prone to getting sinus infections? And is there anything that they can do to prevent them? My guest today is Dr. Bruce Dennison. He's board certified in ear, nose, and throat otolaryngology at Alina Medical Clinic in Woodbury, Minnesota. Welcome to the show, Dr. Dennison. So tell us a little bit about the sinuses and what they do and how they get for some people, so easily infected? Well, it's an interesting question. Um, first of all, with the sinuses, there's four separate sinus areas. It would be the frontal, maxillary, sphenoid, and ethmoid sinuses. And because one's infected doesn't necessarily mean that the other one can be infected. So it can be rather complicated in terms of, you know, which sinus is a problem. But eventually that would be something we could discuss further in this conversation. But frequently patients will ask the question, doctor, what do the sinuses do? And to be honest, we don't quite know why they exist. Some uh, anthropologists might suggest that it, it, it it's for phonation related to, you know, our earlier ancestors, if you believe in evolution. Others might suggest that it actually lightens the head, but we really don't know why sinuses exist. But they certainly can cause problems as they have a tendency to become infected in certain um, certain categories of what we describe patients that would be prone to, uh, to sinus infections. So tell us a little bit about the infection itself. People, Dr. Dennison, think every time if they blow their nose and there's yellow or green, they right away assume that they've got a sinus infection. That's not necessarily the case, yes? You're absolutely correct. Most most individuals will assume they have a sinus infection, and in fact, what they probably are suffering from is an acute viral infection. And in general, we'd like to think of a sinus infection as being a as being caused by, in, in, in many cases, a viral infection, but time becomes a factor. Usually most colds or viral infections will resolve within a week to 10 days. If your symptoms of purulent drainage, facial pressure, pain, dental pain, post-nasal drip, cough, persist or actually get worse at the tail end of a cold, it's likely you've sort of handed off that virus to a bacterial infection, and uh, that officially would be a sinus infection. And the other issue is, you know, why do certain people, why are certain individuals more prone to sinus infections? And that frequently is what where an ear, nose, and throat physician can play a role in managing and trying to minimize the, uh, the number of infections or the complications or symptoms related to sinus infections. So when I'm seeing someone for the first time, it's typically they've, they've been seen by their primary care physician on a number of occasions, been provided with antibiotics, maybe a saline wash, with the hope that their symptoms will go away. And I think it's, it's uh, in 
an imperative on the physician's part to look at the issue of not do they have a sinus infection, but why is this individual prone to sinus infection? So in my practice, I typically will look at more common causes such as underlying allergies, immunosuppression. Is there an anatomical issue that may be predisposing the individual to infections? So typically, the investigation will will involve an an excellent or in-depth nasal exam or sinus exam coupled with possibly a sinus CT. And if symptoms suggest having the patient undergo allergy testing, at least in my view, if you do a good job controlling allergies, you're less likely to become infected over and over and over again. One issue that, that can come up during the exam would be the presence of polyps. If there's polyps, that generally suggests there may be underlying allergies, but it's a different issue because the polyps will predispose you to recurring sinus infections simply by obstructing the sinus openings. So I look at that that scenario in which how can we control polyp, the polyp formation, or do we need at some point to remove the polyps? But again, a lot of that is based on our physical exam, assessment radiographically, and if need be, getting our allergy colleagues to take a look at the patient. Dr. Dennison, what's the first line of defense if you determine somebody does have a sinus infection? Are antibiotics the first thing, and why do they sometimes not work as well? Well, there can be several reasons why they don't work, but let me touch first upon the, the um, your um, first part of your question. Um, Antibiotics, I think more recently, uh, at least the data in a sense is that antibiotics should be something that you hold in reserve. And waiting for that 10-day period is a a reasonably good uh, first approach, using a saline wash, not necessarily jumping to an antibiotic. But if you choose an antibiotic, and you want to treat this, you assume that there's a bacterial infection, there's always a possibility that the type of organism that resides in the sinus is not sensitive to the antibiotic that's been prescribed, i.e. resistance. And frequently that's the case when individuals have received multiple courses of antibiotics in their past because you will select out for more resistant organisms. So the idea that an antibiotic will work every time uh, would mimic the, the or would suggest that the uh, model for sinus infection is overgrowth of bacteria, antibiotic, resolution of infection. And that, that really may not be the correct model. The model might be better promoted as follows. Uh, this patient has a sinus infection because, and it can be poorly controlled allergies, nasal polyps, septal deviation. And if we can eliminate or control that underlying cause, we're more likely to have a more positive outcome rather than repeating antibiotic after antibiotic after antibiotic. And in many cases in my practice, I will find that if we look at a sinus CT, the poor patients receive three or four antibiotics, yet the sinus film looks entirely normal. And what we've been treating is poorly controlled allergies. And that both as a disservice to the patient and prolongs the level of symptoms or the, the time the symptoms have been inadequately treated. 
So I like to get a baseline. Again, going back to my original comments, let's let's figure out why this patient's having a problem rather than just always assume it's bacterial and that an antibiotic would be the first choice. I don't necessarily find that to be the case. Are there certain things that you like to recommend that people can do at home, giving your sinuses a bath, as it were, nasal lavage? Are there any over-the-counter products that you like? Uh, absolutely. The, um, the idea of using a saline wash, and frequently that's done under the guise of a neti pot. Um, now, the neti pot assumes that you're going to create a vacuum to pull mucus and debris out of the sinus. That actually would be incorrect on an individual whose sinuses are not haven't been opened surgically. If they've been opened surgically, a neti pot is a fantastic way to flush the sinuses. But it also, if you're using a neti pot or a saline wash, essentially what you're doing is facilitating the movement of mucus out of the nose. You're eliminating bacteria. You're also flushing out pollen, all of which will help the hygiene of the, of the nose, which indirectly can help the sinuses. So the idea of using a saline wash, it's a great idea, absolutely great idea. Of course, if you live in the cold climates up in the Twin Cities in the middle of the winter, any moisture to the nose when it's cold and dry out certainly can benefit the, um, uh, the uh, function of the nose and, and indirectly the sinuses and may actually help to prevent viral infections or colds. So a saline wash, you can't go wrong. It's cheap. It's easy to use, and it has very little side effects. So I would be a proponent of that. We don't have a lot of time, Dr. Dennison, but is there any truth to the myth that some of the over-the-counter pseudoephedrine and nasal sprays can actually exacerbate a sinus infection? I'm not so sure they would exacerbate. Assuming you're, uh, you're, when you say it's uh, over-the-counter spray, you're, you're talking about a decongestant spray. That would be a separate uh, condition that may be the result of the spray. And unfortunately, for many individuals, they use a decongestant spray and often re- often results in just the opposite condition that the patient's trying to treat. In fact, it will lead eventually to swelling inside the nose. Sudafed, at least in my view, I try not to use a great deal of it. I think it's side effects of increasing the viscosity of mucus um, may actually predispose one to lack of drainage of the sinus. But if your complaint is the inability to breathe through your nose, Sudafed acts by shrinking the lining of the nose, not the sinuses. It may help facilitate the opening of the sinus, but I'm not a big fan of Sudafed. I, I Unless you have severe allergies, I don't think I would use it on a regular basis to treat a chronic sinus condition. I would tend to shy away from that. But that's my opinion. I think others in my field would have a different viewpoint. But Sudafed increases your heart rate, can make you jittery, keep you up at night. And, you know, if you tend to be a little bit older, it may actually have some ill Ill effects on your cardiovascular systems. Again, I tend to shy away from it. No, that's, that was a great answer and great information in just the last minute. Please give your best advice for those that suffer from chronic sinus infections and what they can do about them or possibly prevent them. In, in general, I think if it gets to the point where it's adversely affecting the quality of your life, you've seen a number of primary care physicians, you've sought the, the, the counseling of 
of providers who treat sinus infections, at some point, rather than treat the symptoms, try to determine what's the underlying cause. And I think in the long run, you'd be well served to take that approach because really you're, you're, you're dealing with the with the root cause rather than treating the symptoms as they occur. You're being proactive, and in the long run, that'll serve the patient better. Thank you so much for great information. You're listening to The Wellcast with Alina Health. And for more information, you can go to alinahealth.org. That's alinahealth.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.